Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. So as 2024 continues, we continue here on Feckin' Metal with a continuation of last week, which was a look at 2023, a wrap-up of 2023 with my good friend George Solano. Last week, we looked at concerts and festivals that we enjoyed in 2023, ones that were of note. And this week, we continue on with releases, that's EPs and albums released in 2023, that we felt were noteworthy and were some of our favourite releases of the year. We do not duplicate releases that we've already discussed on previous episodes of Feckin' Metal, so if you joined us in the past for 3 from 23, our our new wave of traditional heavy metal series, well, you won't hear any duplication here of those releases, but if you didn't hear those episodes, you might want to go back and listen to those if you liked what you heard last week, and if you end up liking what you hear this week. So that was kind of a bit of an elongated intro piece there, but I didn't have any funny anecdotes this week about... um, uh, alcohol related things or dry January so I don't know um, what I do feel is overdue is actually a few shout outs to people supporters of Feckin' Metal people who've been with me for a long time people who always comment repost retweet etc so uh, yeah in no particular order I'd like to say hello to my good friend Melissa who was the host of Metal Chat with Melissa she's been going for around the same time as I have actually with her podcast it's 51 episodes deep now Melissa is a strong supporter of Feckin' Metal always comments posts tweets and has a whole body of work worth checking out if you want to hear somebody with decades of experience of attending heavy metal concerts and being a heavy metal fan please check out metal chat with melissa uh, strangers with guns said on twitter that's um, jeff crossdale from the band the irish band strangers with guns who i featured on a previous episode that i have a very soothing voice so thanks jeff for saying that i have heard that in the past i'm still kind of waiting for this offer that's going to appear out of nowhere one day obviously with no effort put in by me, of course, um, to offer me a job uh, in something to do with voiceover work or, I don't know, as a radio host, maybe a DJ. And basically, I'm going to have to put no effort into it and somebody's going to just offer me something that's going to fall completely into my lap due to, um, well, due to a few compliments I've received about my voice over the years. It's like we fantasize about winning the lottery without actually buying a ticket. Something along those lines in that vein I can foresee coming down the line. Uh, Looking forward to that. Ian Winnick, and that's at John Loves Julie, giving him his first shout out here on Feckin' Metal. A strong supporter of Feckin' Metal for a long time now. And Ian is available for all your translating and copywriting needs. And that's C-O-P-Y-W-R-I-T-I-N-G, of course. Uh, hit Ian up there if you want anything translated or copyrighted. I do enjoy his posts about translations. They're often very witty. Uh, big supporter of Feckin' Metal. Thanks, Ian. Brian Lazio on Facebook. Regular supporter of Feckin' Metal off reposts anything i put up on facebook i do appreciate it brian this man is the drummer in a limerick based heavy metal band called settler who released a tree song ep last year uh, you can check them out they're on spotify or streaming platforms but they're also on bandcamp so that's settlermetal.bandcamp.com some tasty music and tasty merch available too they actually are supporting evil in dolan's warehouse on friday march the first so if you're around the limerick area or you feel like going to a bit of thrash metal have a peep down at Dolan's and see what it's all about. Um, and they actually supported Hellripper there in uh, the same venue last year in December, actually. So, yeah, fair play to Settler. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, 
Brian, keep bringing us the mail through the ice and the snow. We really appreciate it. Uh, Stephen Model from Oath, he shared last week's episode on Facebook. Thanks for that, Stephen. Obviously a former guest of Feckin' Metal on a couple of occasions in the past. Have to get you on again in the future, actually. Maybe if you have some upcoming news about gigs or music or something, give me a shout. And Oath disappeared from Spotify recently, but you can check them out on Bandcamp as well. So that's Oath1, O-A-T-H-1.bandcamp.com. So great music and great merch is always there from Oath. And last... But definitely not least, I want to give a shout out to Jay and Jeff, also known as Rockarola, or that's at Gaslamp Victim on Twitter, and Doomy MacDoombutt, or at MozSab on Twitter. I'm never quite sure what to read out for somebody's Twitter handle. I know the at part is actually their Twitter handle, but when they have two kind of distinct names um, that differ from one another, um, I'm never sure if they want to be known as Rockarola in Jay's case, or is it Gaslamp Victim he wants to be known as? And in Doomie McDoombutt's case, is he uh, Doomie McDoombutt, or does he want to be known as Mazzab? Or does he just want to be known as Jeff and as Jay just want to be known as Jay? Who knows? But what I did want to say about Jay and Jeff is that they are the new hosts of the Judas Priest cast. So both have been very supportive of Feckin' Metal in the past, and I always appreciate comments and retweets from both of them. And now the priests are in a new parish. The, the parish has found some new priests. The priests have moved parish. Something like that. I made a funnier joke done that on twitter a while back about that along the same lines but yeah so there's two new hosts of the judas priest cast two big judas priest fans jay and jeff and they're doing a great job so far they've released two episodes so if you were previously listening to the judas priest cast it continues on the same feed as the podcast that george and hattie used to present and you can find them on twitter at judas priest cast so they're easy to find Uh, the first episode they released was based on a very innovative concept, a, a charcuterie board. And I, I'm not even going to explain what that was. You're going to have to listen to it to find out. Extremely innovative. I really enjoyed it. A few laughs in there. And the second one was focusing on the first couple of uh, singles we got from the new Judas Priest album. So Panic Attack and Trial by Fire. So excellent job so far, folks. Always appreciate your support. So thanks everybody I mentioned there and plenty of people haven't mentioned. Oh, fuck, if you're not listening to And Volume For All and you're a heavy metal fan and you enjoy podcasts, I don't really know what you're doing with your life. So this podcast has been going for a good while. Uh, host Quinn is now deep into a series on the career of Ronnie James Dio. And this it seems like he's peaking, you know, in this series, but he's been peaking for a long time and it just seems to keep getting better and better. And I will always support those podcasts who put in a huge amount of effort and Quinn certainly put puts in a lot in every single episode meticulously crafted hilarious informative brilliant check out and volume for all if you haven't already and finally actually i would like to give a shout out to a fellow irish podcast and friend of mine emmet who is doing from the depths and has been for a very long time it's an irish podcast that focuses on the heavier end of things and the irish scene more so than i would and i actually mentioned the podcast later on in my chat with george and i mentioned it in passing about um me not listening to or focusing on the Irish scene or the heavier end of music and that being a good example of a podcast that does focus on those things so if you like heavier music if you're into the more extreme kinds of metal and if you're interested more so in what happens locally on the Irish scene have a listen to From the Depths so that's everything uh, in that list that I wanted to talk about there as we move on in January, we're moving on with my series with George Solano. So this time we're talking about releases from 2023, as I said at the start there. A bit of a religious slant in this episode too, so I'll leave you with that. Hope you enjoy it. All right, here we go. Okay, so we've talked about gigs. Got yourself another beer? I did, yeah. Poured myself a Guinness. Uh, not fully. 
you still on the are you on something else there that looks darker another sam adams but this one is a red lager all right okay yeah i i prefer beers of that color uh generally do they sell killian's irish red over in ireland or is that like some fake irish beer that we invented here <laughs> i've never heard of it to be honest but um i'll keep okay, an eye out for it I answer, that answers that <laughs> yeah i look i mean i'm sure there's plenty of irish beers over in the u.s that we don't get over here but uh there's way way more breweries even per capita i think in the u.s than there are here so um yeah you probably get a lot of that good craft beer scene here for sure yeah you're way ahead of the curve um i think craft beer only kind of came out in ireland about i don't know 12 years ago uh, that's when i first started noticing it but i think like the u.s you've had that sh- shit for years like yeah well, what are we on to next, my man? Uh, so I was thinking we could talk about some of our musical highlights from 2023. So obviously we did multiple episodes where we looked at releases from 2023 and talked about some of our favorite releases. Um, I've decided to play some clips and to talk about some releases that were some of my favorites from the year that we haven't covered already in previous episodes. So um, maybe we could take it one each, like uh, you do one, I do one, something like that. Perfect. Let's get it going, man. What have you got for us first? Well, um, one of the best releases for me from 2023 was the new Primordial album called How It Ends. And this was the first Primordial album since 2018. From listening to Alan Averill's podcast, he certainly wasn't bothered releasing an album during lockdown or COVID. So there was no real kind of writing or kind of progression with creating new music going on there for a couple of years, hence the large gap. But I think it was worth the wait. And the title track from the new album is just a prime slice of Primordial. It's exactly what I like about the band. And they have kind of varying styles, very various vocal delivery, even just on this particular album in how like Alan sings the songs. And the vocalist is the most important part of the song for me as listeners to this podcast will probably know. I tend to focus on that the most. But um, there's a certain style in which Alan delivers vocals. And there's a few examples of it on this podcast that I think is just unique. And it's something that I find hard to compare to any other band. And I think the title track, How It Ends, is one of those songs. And um, I'm just going to play a little clip from the title track here. It's about two and a half minutes into the song. So, um, yeah. And I just want to talk a little bit about the lyrics afterwards as well. I'm just going to stop it there. So that was the title track from the album How It Ends, released in 2023. The part where we join the song, Is This How It Ends Until Only One Song Remains? 
This is kind of uh, something that Alan Averill has been talking about quite a lot on his podcast. So are we going to take away people's voices until only one voice remains? And this is kind of um, a stance he's taken politically, uh, culturally on his podcast. And it's like everyone's voice is hushed. Um, you know, the famous thing at first they came for the socialists, but I didn't do anything because I wasn't a socialist. And then they came for the blah. And I, I, I really do you know the thing I'm talking, trying to quote there, half as quote. Yeah. And then they came for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he kind of often quotes this or a version of it. And um, I think he's kind of talking about modern society and how like, um, you know, at some point they're going to come for you and then only one voice is going to remain. And I really, really like those lyrics, but I, I love his delivery of the lyrics as well. Uh, I love how he doesn't really. And I was talking to this. At, I was talking about this with Tim and Rob from Sarah Dungle on um, the, a recent episode of the podcast where Rob was saying about Tim is that he can put lyrics over any music. And I was saying, yes, and I really noticed that about Sarah Dungle. He can sing over anything. And I, I compared him to Alan Averill from Primordial. And it doesn't matter about the syllables. It doesn't matter about the syllables that he had in the previous line. It doesn't matter if the line that follows has fewer syllables than the previous one. He'll make it fit the song. Uh, rhyming, fuck it, it's out the window. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes it rhymes, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, it really doesn't matter a fuck if it does or if it doesn't. It's just about the lyrics and the delivery. And I just feel like that verse that we heard there like was just a great example of that. I like that. I was wondering which song you were going to pick to play a clip of. I'm glad you chose how it ends. I think that's the best song on the album. And uh, as far as the message, you know, uh, you couldn't be more right. It, and it is something to think about because uh, in this day and age, a lot of people do feel like they don't want to speak their mind because they're afraid of how others will react. And even I say that as someone who probably has a lot of beliefs that are more popular and i wouldn't get pushed back on but even so like there's a few things that i think about like oh maybe i shouldn't say that mm, true and I, I love how he delivers it like so it's is this how it ends until only one song remains is this how language dies one tongue at a time is and he goes is this the news and it doesn't matter like that that sentence has far fewer syllables to is this how it ends he just makes it work the waiting at the gallows end he's like next will crack and i just think the delivery on that is just fantastic and even the line next will crack it's so powerful and it's so primordial oh man uh i'm with you you don't need to rhyme you don't need your syllables to match up you just need to sing it the right way and alan's got a great unique voice so he just he pulls off what he's writing, he pulls off what he's singing, and you believe the conviction when you hear him. Yeah, so there's later on lyrics in the same kind of tempo as what we heard there. Is this how it ends? No protest songs, no voices in dissent. How did you feel when when they called your name and you stood in line for the for the last time? So I think that spe speaks to the kind of example I gave there as well. First they came for x and i didn't do anything because i was an x uh, etc it's like how did you feel when they called your name it's like everyone's time is coming so if you don't stand up for people who maybe you're not necessarily one of um it'll affect you down the line when they come for you and i think that's his you know outlook and those are his politics and that's how he feels but he really delivers it in a kind of a very um powerful way on this particular song and like the question is is this how it ends is this the end time uh, it might be a bit melodramatic Probably not, but 
you know, that's that's his outlook on life. You know, he looks kind of at the dark things, the pessimistic things. He would call himself somebody who stands firmly in the middle. But I do appreciate somebody who kind of looks at things and predicts doom and gloom sometimes, because sometimes that's what you need to hear. That's what you want to hear, because everything can't be happy go lucky all the time. And some of the songs that I'm going to play on this are happy go lucky songs and they're, you know, upbeat rock songs. And I think to balance that out, you need a little bit of this as well. It's called Do Metal for a Reason. And- <laughs> exactly. And people like it. Yeah. And you have that lovely bit of kind of Celtic. I'm going to say Celtic. I don't I don't feel right saying that there because I'm from Ireland. But you have that Celtic guitar that followed the the end part of the, the clip I played there as well. And, you know, it's it's the it's the primordial sound and it's kind of what we go to listen to them for. And it's what we love about them. So um, I, I hope they stay around for a very long time. One of their unique hallmarks, uh, the five year gap since the last album. It just makes it more worth the wait uh, when you're a band that has like about 10 albums. You don't need to be releasing a new one every year or so. And I think sometimes a gap is just good to let an album sink in. Uh, People who are Primordial fans, they probably were really ready for a new one about this time. And that makes 2023, uh, especially with the whole state of the world makes it a very good time for primordial to be back yeah absolutely uh by the way you were saying you wondered which clip i was going to play well i have more than one to play i'm afraid (laughs) we're not getting off that lightly um i'm going to play the start of the song pilgrimage to the world's end about his vocal delivery is like it's a croak right but there's melody in the croak and when I was going back to Blackie Lawless earlier not singing the chorus of some songs or not singing certain parts of some songs because he thinks he can't deliver it I think if he tried to sing some of the things he thinks he can't he might have a croak but he might have melody in the croak as well yes. and I think like that's that's what you want to hear you want to hear that kind of the voice cracking a bit you want to hear the human side of delivering a vocal. And I think he does it so well. And there's a, the line there, an ancient port where no ship will ever dock. And the voice is croaking the whole way, but it just, it adds to the vocals much more so than a clean vocal would have delivered uh, singing that same line. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I like harsh vocals. I like clean vocals. 
And then I like the ones that are a little bit in between, uh, sort of like you get with Alan Averill. Uh, I think that uh, I'll give him a lot of credit. He's singing in a range that is also very suitable to the music. And there's an entrancing feel with the music and the vocals layered together. Uh, it has a great flow to it and it gets you into it. It sucks you in. Uh, there's a real power to his voice in a storytelling capacity. Yes, I completely agree. The final clip of this uh, album that I want to play is from the song Victory Has a Thousand Fathers, Defeat is an Orphan, and this was the first single they released from the album. One of my friends, Chris, who featured on the Gotham City episode I did a while back, he's a longtime fan of Primordial, and I remember him posting on Facebook at the time it was released saying, Possibly the catchiest primordial song of all time, and I think he might be onto something. Although before we get to that, sorry, I did want to focus on a, a later section of Pilgrimage to the World's End, where his voice completely changes and he kind of demonstrates the range of himself as a vocalist. So I just want to play this clip here before we move on to Victory as a Thousand Fathers. One second here. Well, there you go. Sorry, it was just at the kind of higher register there, but he keeps the melody. He, you know, he hits every single note that he aims to hit and he keeps the croak, but he kind of does it in a more powerful and a more higher pitched way. And that's even more respectable. Yeah. Wow. That's a nice clip. And it just goes to show because you're playing multiple clips from this album. How freaking good this album is, man. And I got into Primordial more so this year than I have before. And I like a lot of their albums, but this new one is up there at the top for me. There's so much gold here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's uh, probably not up quite at the top for me. Um, I love Redemption at the Puritan's Hand, um, Where Greater Men Have Fallen, The Gathering Wilderness, probably be my top three, but this could creep in there. Some of the earlier Primordial albums I don't really connect with at all. It's a different style. It's more kind of black metal. The vocals are uh, harsher, more grating, the type of vocal style that I don't really like. So, And there is some of that on this album as well. Like I'm picking the songs that are kind of my favorite uh, in terms of vocal delivery, at least, but also in terms of music as well. Like they're probably the more melodic songs on the album. Um, and this is one of them as well. Sorry, I know I kind of jumped backwards and forwards. I'm jumping forwards again. So this is Victory Has a Thousand Fathers Defeat as an Orphan. So I'm just going to play the opening of this as well. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to stop it there, but you have this kind of tribal drums coming in as well. Kind of a different opening from the previous two songs I played. This was the first single, I think. 
that kind of guitar riff might be one of the catchiest opening riffs that Primordial has ever used on a song. And then you kind of get that that drumming coming in. But then jump to a minute into the song. So you got this fucking fantastic, powerful singing again here. Then I noticed that bit there. So when he was singing He Who Hunts Alongside Beasts, there's a kind of a bum note, a deliberately dead note when he's like, He Who Hunts Alongside Beasts. And you would think that he was kind of going to follow the melody through with that, but he clearly deliberately doesn't. And I was wondering, you know, thinking of it as the most catchy primordial song, did they deliberately put that in to kind of throw it off a small bit so that it isn't as catchy to kind of keep it, you know, on the right side of catchiness or maybe the wrong side, whichever way you look at it, because that note there and it comes up again later on when he sings that similar part later on. It's kind of it's off kilter. It's kind of like a radio head note or something. It's like you expect the melody to go in one direction then it goes, oh, shit, went in a completely different direction. Yeah, they do that to catch your attention. And for the most part, it works. But you know what? It's the kind of embellishments that an experienced singer will throw in because it's not what you'd expect. And so uh, most singers, they wouldn't do that. But Alan, he has that right instinct. Yeah, and I think it probably takes a certain level of confidence as well to put in a kind of a bum note or a deliberately flat note into a, a song. Because, you know, if you're starting out and you're creating your first ever album or single or whatever, you're probably going to make it as palatable as you can. Uh, possibly not for Primordial in the earlier days. It wasn't really about that. It was about tape trading and underground uh, black metal and all that type of stuff. But in general, in general terms, you're probably not going to insert those deliberately kind of flat notes into the song. But I think with experience and confidence, you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. I don't need to rhyme. I can sing however I want. And the melody can be whatever the fuck I want as well. I want to play another small bit from this as well. So I suppose this is the chorus of the song, but these songs are structured in such a way that, you know, they don't really have a traditional chorus, but this is where he says the words that are featured in the title of the song. So you'd have to assume that it's the chorus. Anyway, yeah, just to finish up there, some nice Irish jig music to finish off. But um, to me, this is uh, an excellent song. It was a great choice for a first single, I think, on the album. But when I listened to the album in full, I found that I actually preferred songs like How It Ends and Pilgrimage to the World's End. But overall, a really strong album and a great highlight of 2023 for me. I was thinking Irish jig, too. And might I say, I appreciate that the first album we covered off on here, you got some Irish representation. Well, that was by design, of course. Any other Irish artists or Irish bands that you would want to point out that did something notable in 2023? 
So here's the thing. I don't really follow the Irish scene that much. And the reason is because I do dip in here and there when somebody recommends something. And when I listen to the stuff, it's completely like outside of the realm of, of anything that I might enjoy. For example, my friend Emmett does a podcast called From the Depths, and I do dip in and out of it. And he did a similar episode to this quite recently, a 2023 wrap up episode. He has this uh, format called The Listening Room, where he gets three or four people in to talk about X, Y or Z, like he does them during the year as well. And they mentioned a number of Irish bands um, as their favorites of 2023, their favorite gigs, their favorite albums. There was uh, bands like Slung From A Tree, The Crawling, a few other bands. And I went and kind of dipped in and out of a couple of the songs from these bands. And it just kind of reassured me that, no, I don't like <laughs> I don't like what's popular on the Irish scene at the moment. It's all kind of extreme metal stuff that I'm not into. And that just seems to be the the tide at the moment, the way the tide is kind of turning. And it's not for me. So hey, you know what you like and credit to you for giving it a try. Well, see, like there's there's a couple of other bands. There's Celtic Legacy. I, I featured John Bonham, the vocalist from Celtic Legacy on They're the great. podcast last year. They're really good as well. Like, you know, and um they're working on new material at the moment. They had a couple of setbacks health wise. Um, I did see them once during the year. Uh, I was meant to be going to see them another time and I think they cancelled, but like it's um there's bands like that. And like sorry, he's in another band called Old Season. They're more of a doomy band as well, but like, you know, he he's a great vocalist and that he delivers the music really well or the he delivers the vocals in a way that like I, I quite enjoy. Like so I mean I like them too. They don't they're not really that active. But there's not really much trad metal on the Irish scene and I am fairly much painted into that corner with my tastes so while I do dip in and out of stuff when it's suggested or when I hear names mentioned I don't really like what, what's on the Irish scene at the moment so it's not for me and look I'm not going to pretend that I do like it so there's no point in trying to cover it because I wouldn't enjoy it. Hey, props to you but hey we're here to talk about things that we did enjoy and you mentioned that the happy, bouncy music is coming. So why don't we talk about Bergfried now? Yes. Okay. I knew you were going to bring these up and I'm glad you did because um, I don't have any notes in them. So let's talk about Bergfried. Absolutely. Well, not to bury the lead, uh, this is my top EP of the year and it's my top release overall. Uh, I might point out that this EP is over half an hour. So it was longer than some of the releases in my top 50 that are considered full albums. Mm. So based on that, I'm just, I'm not even separating albums and EPs from each other in my favorite lists anymore. It's like, okay, best releases, regardless of how long they are. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Bergfried is my number one. So take that for what it's worth. So what's kind of, what's the deal with Bergfried? Have they been around long? How, like, is this, um, how many releases have they had? That type of thing. For, for those uninitiated. Yeah, very obscure band. I think they are from Austria, and I don't know any other bands from Austria, to be perfectly honest with you. No. Uh, they have two EPs, Romantic 1 and Romantic 2, and uh, they have a female vocalist. I think it's a, actually a two-person project with a vocalist and uh, an instrumentalist. And they do have some guest musicians and guest vocalists on there as well, including Sarah from Smolder, who's another band that I liked a lot, had a really good release in 2023. 
Uh, I don't think you were into that one as much as I was, but I not as much. No, yeah. um, I like them, you know, and I, I hope I grow to like them more than I do. Uh, I like what they're about and I did see them. I keep it true. They were decent, but I don't know. To me, they just lacked something to make them a really top tier band for me. But anyway, sorry, not to interrupt. Yeah, I am. They're, uh, they're on the doomier side as well. Uh, Smolder, that is. But we're not talking about Smolder right now. We're talking about Bergfried. And Bergfried, they have a synthy and poppy sound. And it sounds like it could come right out of an 80s movie soundtrack. Or, mm. well, at first. But then they launch into the triumphant, upbeat, heavy metal that's well in the wheelhouse of feckin' metal. Yes, okay. Do you have any clips you want to play from that release, Romantic 2? Yeah, let's go. Let's play May the Devil Pull Me Under from the beginning. Okay, hold on a second. Here we go. Bergfried. that we might be going into the chorus now are you i'm not sure uh i've listened to this a couple of times but i don't know it that well yeah so we faded that out during the pre-chorus but that's enough to get the idea of the song uh very much for fans of classic new new wave of british heavy metal fans of def leppard especially the early stuff if you're lamenting that they went too poppy then this is probably going to strike the exact right balance for you something along the lines of Def Leppard's Pyromania. Uh, mm. uh, it's also in, uh, somewhat of a concept album. Uh, it's uh, about war-torn lovers, and there are some strong themes of Christianity, specifically in the Crusades era, is that where the setting takes place, and one of the guest vocalists plays the role of the devil in a couple songs. And uh, we probably mentioned this when we were talking about Witch Hazel, but, you know, we're not necessarily Christians and you don't necessarily need to be 
in order to enjoy how good the music is. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I did listen to that when you recommended it to me and I really enjoyed it, but it was one of those releases that got lost in the shuffle for me. So I'm glad that you brought it up. And it's definitely something I'll return to just listening to that right there. I was like, why the fuck haven't you been listening to this more? You idiot. Uh, I'm going to play a bit more here. Excellent stuff. Anything else from that release you wanted to play? Hmm. Well, I only picked out one clip per album, but all since right. you're asking me, I mean, hey, listen, we've got others to get to, and it's already we've been we've been on for an hour and a half already. So I, I say let's keep moving forward. But uh, I yeah, uh, I already said that's my favorite release, and if that's not a strong enough endorsement for listeners to go check out more of it, then I don't have anything else to say, man. Well, look, it's a 30 minute EP. They can fucking fit it into their schedule. Um, I feel a little bad here because you said you've only picked one clip per release, whereas I have, in some cases, intro pieces to the band, research about the band name and multiple clips per release. So um, we might be here for a while. Well, good thing I've got a beer. <laughs> OK, so my next album is by the band by Fire and Sword, and this is called Glory. Now, mm. because I'm guessing most people won't have heard of these, I'm going to read their Spotify bio here. It gives you a little taste of what they're about. And it's a kind of unique type of band. So it's worth an introduction, I think, before we get into the music. So this is their Spotify bio, hosted by themselves, by the way. The first holy church of the children of light spreads a message of glory and love like a sword sunk deep into the belly of a dark beast. By fire and sword, we wage war upon darkness itself. Led by the honorable Reverend Tim Tom Jones, our epic brand of almighty metal stands as a fiery beacon of hope. We're marching an army of the worthy into the ever loving light. Will you join the fight? So that's by Fire and Sword. Now, they're not a particularly popular band on Spotify. They have 2,146 monthly listeners. Um, so, you know, they're on the kind of underground, underground end of the scale. But this album was brought to my attention by my friend Arcadi. Arcadi is an enormous metal fan from Estonia, living in Ireland for many years. And um, he basically goes to every single gig that is in Ireland that's metal uh, or hard rock. But I know he wouldn't like stuff like this, um, but he sent it on to me and I listened to a song he sent on to me, which is the one I'm going to play now. And I was like, surely you don't like this. And he's like, no, but I thought you might. I was like, oh, <laughs> I appreciate that because <laughs> I, I know his tastes, even though I say he goes to every gig, he, he draw the line at, at some things like he would, for example, he'd absolutely hate Sabaton. But, you know, he would love, you know, most of the other shit that I would love. So he, he draws the line at certain things. And I kind of guessed while listening to this, this would this would have been uh, over the line for him. And it turns out that it was, but he thought that I'd like it. And it turned out he was correct. So thanks, Arcadi, for that. I know he does listen sometimes. So if you're listening, thank you. So this is 
A band that's from Boise, Idaho. I love that name, Boise. Uh, formed in 2017. They released an EP in 2019. A few songs on that. Then a couple of singles. Metal Archives uh, describes them as fantasy slash religious parody. So if you didn't get that from the description they themselves put up on Spotify, um, you do kind of get it now that it's not to be taken seriously. Unlike Witch Hazel, let's say, where there is a strong Christian belief behind the sentiment. Here, it's tongue-in-cheek. Um, so... Three members of this band were actually in a band called Wield and Woe, which is a considerably heavier band. And I'm going to play a, a clip of one of their songs afterwards, just to contrast with you how different they are sound-wise to By Fire and Sword. But this song is called Leave a Little Room, and I'm going to play the opening riff here and play it for a while and then stop and we can chat about it. But I have a few clips to play from this song. So here's the song Leave a Little Room, the first song I heard from By Fire and Sword. Uh, one second now. So, firstly, I want to talk about the lyrics for a bit here. So I don't know if you caught that because it was the first time probably you were listening to it with full concentration in a kind of a podcast uh, criticism scenario. But the opening line is the canaries have coughed in their coal mines. It's time to set yourself free. Now, that stood out to me and it wasn't I wasn't even looking up the lyrics. I was listening to it. I was like, what the hell does that mean? The canaries have coughed in their coal mines. Well, it turns out it's in relation to something that you probably would never expect. So um, I looked up canaries and coal mines online and uh, I found this article. That That's a saying, a canary in a coal mine. Right. Well, I'd never heard that before. So there you go. Um, but I looked up the reference online and I found this article from uh, smithsonianmag.com uh, from 2016. And it's called The Story of the Real Canary in the Coal Mine. Yeah, and it says a subheading used until 1986. The humble canary was an important part of British mining history. So I'm going to read a bit of this article. So it says, never mind the gas. It was automation that got them in the end. On this day in 1986, a mining tradition dating back to 1911 ended the use of canaries in coal mines to detect carbon monoxide and other toxic gases before they hurt humans. New plans from the government declared that the electronic nose, a detector with a digital reading, would replace the birds, according to the BBC. Although ending the use of birds to detect deadly gas was more humane, miners' feelings were mixed. They're so ingrained in the culture. Miners report whistling to the birds and coaxing them as they worked, treating them as pets, the BBC said. At the time, it was the latest of many changes in the British mining industry, which was a source of great strife in the country through the 1980s. Pit ponies, the other animal that went underground with human miners to haul coal, were also phased out by automation. The last of them retired in 1999. Now, 
to me, this is really interesting because it's talking about the phasing out of something that was once the norm. He's saying the canaries have coughed in their coal mines. The rest of the lyrics in that opening verse are, it's time to set yourself free. All the world's forces conspire with your choices and bring you here to me. I welcome you with open arms, embrace me and join the flock. I lift the worthy and those who are not. We shall dash upon the rocks. So to me, it's like something is changing, um, a changing of the guard. Uh, what was is no longer and he's kind of welcoming you into the flock he says I lift the worthy and those who are not we shall dash upon the rock so to me kind of this kind of creepy cynicism of the televangelist the kind of uh, religious zealot is already kind of permeating the opening verse of the opening track on the album and it's a really unique sounding song the the lyrics are very different to anything i've ever heard and it's really interesting and it got me straight away this album rock you probably heard me laughing when you were reading the band description uh man uh so if it wasn't totally obvious yeah they are taking the piss and they are in these lyrics too and yeah i think they have a pretty unique aesthetic i mean a lot of people can do anti-christianity and metal lyrics it's been mm. done to death but it's totally it's totally off the table to do it from a parody perspective where you're pretending to be the thing that you're opposing and that in and of itself i think is smart uh as far as the canary in the coal mine uh when i hear that expression i think of it a little differently i think of that as a warning of bad things to come. You know, mm. uh, it was my understanding that the the miners would bring the canaries into the mines because the invisible fumes and gases that the miners wouldn't know that they're breathing in, they would be able to tell yeah. from the canaries coughing yeah. that they were in a place with bad air quality, especially if the canary would die, then they would know, okay, now we're in a poisonous fumes area. So whenever I've seen the phrase canary in a coal mine used, uh, to me, it's always been something like, hey, here's a warning that you're in a bad place. Well, see, that's what I find so interesting about it. So this is kind of from the perspective of a televangelist and he was saying the canaries have coughed in their coal mine so he's so from reading that article it was like when it's no longer safe for humans the canary will cough or the canary will die so he's telling you right. the earth planet earth is no longer safe for humans he's like it's time to set yourself free all the world's forces conspire with your choices and bring you here yeah. to me so he's basically that, saying the yeah. world earth that's not for you anymore come with me and you'll be safe the canary is coughed in the coal mine and i just thought that was brilliant lyricism brilliant use of some old kind of like archaic tradition and i'd never heard the phrase before so maybe that speaks more to me and uh, my lack it of goes knowledge with the whole, yeah it goes with the whole televangelist theme like hey the world is coming to an end exactly you have to yeah. you have to listen to this message yeah and i just thought it was brilliant um because I had to go and read about it to find out what it meant. And then I read deeper into the lyrics. And I like when music does that for me, you know, when you hear a phrase or turn a phrase or something, some reference to something. And you're like, that sounds like a thing. And it's a thing that I don't know. So I'm going to go and investigate that. And then I'm going to learn about it. And I did do that as a result of listening to this song. And it, add, it adds an entirely new kind of 
more sinister layer to what was already kind of creepy and sinister to begin with. So I just I respect what they've done straight out of the gate there on the first song of this album. They really kind of set their stall out and they hooked me in anyway. Obviously, the first time I listened to it, that didn't register with me at all. But listening to it again and again, I was like, what the fuck is he saying there? The canary has coughed in the coal mine? <laughs> I just think it's brilliant. Anyway, um, it's clear we're not in witch hazel territory here. So they're religious lyrics, but they're not meant to be taken to heart or seriously. Now, he comes in here just after the clip I played, just after where I cut it off. So this is the next bit I want to play. I'm so sorry that I've taken so long to return to you, my child. I know that it's been cold and dark and lonesome wandering this wasteland with the strains. But I bring you tidings of good news. Good news from the beyond You see, I've been talking with my dreams And they've been talking back to me Whispering eternal secrets of divine glory, love and life That I'm allowed to share with you Those who truly are deserving Those who can truly accept me into their hearts This, the first time I heard this, so, um Arcadi sent me the link on Facebook Messenger and, you know, he said, I think you'd like this. And I was actually traveling to uh, a work event where I was staying in a hotel for two nights to go on a management training course. I was traveling up there after work, so I'd had a couple of beers and whatever. And uh, I was just kind of listening to some music and like after work to begin working there for two more days, the next couple of days. And I, I listened to this and I was like, kind of initially I was like, I like it, but what the fuck is he sending me? And when this kind of preacher voice came on, I was like, this is absolutely mental. And I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. And I, I didn't know whether or not to take it seriously at first either. I was like, is he seriously kind of preaching to me in, in a song? Or, um, But then it was the intonation of the voice where it was kind of this southern kind of Bible thumping character. Um, and to me, there's kind of nothing more frightening than those people. Uh, and I'm going to play a clip from an actual televangelist now for the next song. But um, those people are like the most frightening people on earth to me. And I was just kind of listening to it. And then I ended up listening to the song about 10 times in a row because it was so infectious and different and intriguing and just so many different things. And then it gets into this chorus, which I just think is an irresistible chorus. Leave a little room in the pit of your soul. Leave a little room and we'll make you whole. Brilliant stuff. I wonder if anyone is listening to this and really believing in the message and taking it at face value and not seeing that it's a parody because you you would think that no one's doing that. You would think everyone's in on the joke, but I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a, at least one person who's taking it seriously. Well, it's funny because the singer Tom Newby did an interview a while back and he was asked this very question and he said, we get three types of people. Uh, we got two main categories and then we get one in the middle. And the one of the main types of category is somebody who takes it to heart and takes it really seriously and thinks that we are preaching a message. 
The other is the one that takes extreme offense and calls us heathens, you know, and wants to damn us to hell. And very few people actually get what we're really doing, which is kind of saying this stuff tongue in cheek, where the music is positive and uplifting, but the message is kind of a parody. Um, and I think that's the middle ground that they exist in. So it seems they've got every type of response and more so the types of responses that are not what they're kind of aiming towards. Yeah. But as a band, I'm sure you like when people really get it, but you'll be happy just to see anyone show up at the gigs at all. Well, I'd say for a band like them, they probably would make a lot of money in the middle ground because <laughs> like, there'd be the people who are absolutely appalled by them, who would be kind of sharing them on social media and you know saying that they should be cancelled or banned. There'd be the people who fully believe, like I was saying, and will go to the gigs um, you know, with no sense of irony. Um, and they're probably like the two biggest fan bases or like that they that, that they can cultivate. The first one wouldn't be a fan base, but it'd be like the types of people who would promote you uh, while trying to damn you. Um, and then the second would be a huge kind of following who would kind of think, oh, finally, there's somebody for us. <laughs> but there's not really. Here's the thing. A band like this where they're playing a parody you'll always get people who don't get it and they don't get the joke and they're not in on the joke. Mm. And that makes it, I think in a lot of cases, it can be a little harder for a band to really get a big fan base when they're playing to that sort of humorous style. Yeah. But usually the people who get it and if they like it, they're going to really like it. True. And that's to say nothing of how good the music is. Like from a traditional heavy metal perspective, this is another fantastic musical release. And the vocals with that whole preachy style, they're very interesting. And I think they're pretty unique. Yeah. And this bit actually really, really got me now. Um, it's just kind of, it's, it's almost taking the piss with songwriting, but it's just so good that I'm giving them a pass. So that's the bit I'm fucking singing in the shower. Dude, that's a great chorus. So catchy. And we got this final bit, which I think is kind of the cherry on top, which is the preacher returning. Um, but just the lines he delivers here are priceless. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, there we go. That's uh, Leave a Little Room from By Fire and Sword. And if I can get them one new fan even by playing that, then my job is done. Because that is one of the best albums I heard in 2023. I do have one more track to play. Uh, the second track is called Tide. That's number five on the album. Are you familiar with the phrase Tide? I think, yeah. yeah. That, means, that means to give 10% of your income to the church. Mm. I could be a different amount, but I think... 10% is what's recommended by the Catholic Church and other denominations of Christianity, but a little controversial. There's a lot of people who think that it's, oh, let's not even go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, <laughs> the song is called Tithe, and preachers really want you to do it because mm. they want the church to make money. Yeah, so I didn't, I wasn't familiar with this word either, right? So I went up and looked up what it meant. Now it's called Tithe and in brackets, the money song. And, you know, listening to the song and the lyrics, I kind of got a notion of what it meant. But I came across this um, televangelist. He's known as Kenneth Copeland. Have you ever come across this person before? Uh, no, I don't know that name. I know I've heard some other names of televangelists. Uh, they're all kind of the same person to me. Yeah, well, this guy is a scary-looking motherfucker. He's 87 years old now. He's still at it. Um, and he's oh, like... this guy. Yeah, I've seen him. <laughs> so there was a couple this of... This guy, yeah. Scarier than any of the death metal I listen to, man. Just saying. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean when I say these people are the most frightening people on earth. So, uh, you know, this man, he's uh, obviously, like most of these people, he has numerous controversies to follow him around. But... um. He was criticized for having promised uh, from 2006 to 2010 to create an aviation relief assistance program called Angel Flight 44 to help Haiti. A spokesperson responded, this was not a specific promise, promise with a timeline attached and said that the money was spent on airline repairs. Now, in on the topic of airline repairs, in 2008, Kenneth Copeland's ministry owned five airplanes and continued to purchase more from a jet maker businessman, Tyler Perry. He raised funds for the building of a hangar to store these airplanes. Basically, he uh, maintains that he needs to be able to travel on a whim. He needs to be able to travel cross country and he needs to be able to do it without having to go through airports, all this type of stuff. He's just like outrageous kind of outrageously wealthy man uh, you can look at a google maps images of where he lives as well online it's an absolute mansion the usual kind of thing with televangelists but the one thing i wanted to do was play a clip of him encouraging people to tithe because this is terrifying i got it from youtube there's some music um kind of put over it as well but um have a listen to kenneth copeland here you need help feeding your babies god bless your darling heart then you ought to be helped but i'm going to tell you something you need to be tithing off that help that's your increase you need to be tithing that well dear lord brother copeland i'm in poverty now i know it i'm telling you how to get out that's the gospel i don't care if you ain't got but two nickels give him the first one. Oh yeah for he has anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. That's what the poor must hear. And in the gospel, giving is at the heart of breaking the curse of poverty. Oh, yeah. Best thing I've ever heard. Even if you have two Holy nickels, crap. if you have Music two nickels, so much scarier. I know. If you have two nickels, give me one. And giving is at the heart of breaking the curse of poverty. I've never heard such 
fucking beautiful rhetoric in my entire life. But anyway, this is something I researched after listening to this song. This song is called Tithe. And as you can imagine, it's a tongue in cheek take on the concept of tithing. I'm just going to play the chorus here. Uh, give us one second. So yes, obviously the the theme of televangelists has been covered off by multiple heavy metal bands in the past. You had um, Black Sabbath with TV Crimes, Iron Maiden with Holy Smoke, and I'm sure many others, uh, especially in the 1990s, when I think it was at its peak. But I think this is just a great um, take on it as well. And this whole album, it, it works as a whole album. So I would encourage anybody, if you like the clips that have been played, to go and listen to the entire album. And I don't know, maybe go and buy some fucking merch from them as well, because I think these are a great up and coming band. And I reckon you probably see these popping up at festivals as well, like soon enough. They seem to have made a little splash in that regard. So um, keep your eye out for By Fire and Sword. A great band. I liked this album a lot, so I endorse it. Uh, Fergal summed it all up nicely. Just by contrast, I'd like to play a clip from the band that three of the members are in as well. So yeah, three of the members of this band, as I said at the start of this segment, are called um, are in a band called Wield and Woe. So just by contrast, I want to play uh, a part of one of their songs. So this song is called My Heart to Fear. Oh, there you go. So anyway, they're described as melodic death metal, not something I would normally listen to, but I had to go and check them out just to see what the story was. So it's uh, the bass player 
Um, the drummer was an ex-member and the guitarists are all members of Wield and Woe as well. So if that's your cup of tea, maybe go and check them out too. Um, actually, that's not the worst sounding fucking uh, uh, black metal I've ever heard in my life. So, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll go and give it a listen as well. Um, but there you go. Black metal on fucking metal? What is this <laughs> world coming to? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Okay, so that was... The second installment of my conversation I had with George back earlier in January. This is our wrap up of 2023. I've still quite a bit of audio that we didn't use yet on the first two installments, but I think I'll finish up on the next one and wrap it up with that because I don't really want to be recapping 2023 when we're into February. So hopefully this time next week, I'll have episode three of this series and the final part of this series with you, to you, whatever. And as I did mention last week, I have uh, Neil Kay in the can, not literally, but a podcast with him speaking on it is in the can again not literally figuratively figuratively he's in the can uh, a lengthy chat with neil about his kind of early discovery of iron maiden playing them in the heavy metal soundhouse etc etc so that's coming your way too directly after the george series finishes finishes um one final thing i know i've been promoting this frequently and regularly but it is worth repeating please check out my friend damien collodi's riot documentary that's immortal soul a riot tribute and concert film the fourth and final part of which will be airing on YouTube this Saturday. So go Google that. And when I say Google, I mean search, Jesus. Uh, search it on YouTube. Immortal Soul, a riot tribute and concert film. The final part of that will be up on Saturday, the 27th of January. The previous three parts were out on the 6th, 13th and 20th, respectively. I keep promoting this because I know how much work he's put into it. Well, I don't actually know. I can only really speculate based on conversations I've had with him. But put it this way, I know how much work goes into an episode of a podcast or a couple of episodes of a podcast. You have to pick a theme. Often you have to listen to hours of music. Now, listening to errors of music isn't a chore or isn't really work, but when you're listening to it with a purpose of commenting on it critically, there is work involved in it, even though you can be enjoying it at the same time. And the same goes for a documentary. You know, he has to wade through errors of footage that he filmed, lots of archival footage, interviews that are fresh for the documentary, archival interviews. He has to slot them all into a narrative, and then he has to kind of include extra pieces that he feels maybe, while aside from the narrative, are also relevant to the topic and relevant to the type of story he's trying to tell. Uh, so I know how much work I put into sometimes just one episode of a podcast and this is a four plus hour documentary that he's been working on for over a year so please give that a look and as a little bonus nugget at the end of the podcast here I'm going to include a piece of audio from when I talked to Damien a couple of months ago he was on the podcast as a guest and we had our discussion and it was very well received but there was a part of it that kind of happened after we were finished talking but ended up being quite interesting now it didn't really fit into the episode that I recorded with him but I think it's nice as a little taster here, if you haven't watched any of his previous installments of his documentary, as a taster of the type of thing that does get discussed on the documentary, here's a small clip of me and Damien speaking after the cameras had stopped rolling or something, whatever the podcast equivalent of that is in 2024. Go on, sorry, we're talking about the mini disc there. Well, uh, I was just saying that I got, so I was I able to get this interview of Mark that had never really been heard and incorporate that into the film but this this footage also came you know from the sort of mark reality archives which were archives that giles lavery pulled out of his bedroom uh, and so there was this footage uh, of mark or, or mike i guess had brought a camera 
uh, a video camera into the recording studio that day. And then Mark sort of picked it up and because Mike got a phone call and started walking walking around with it, filming. And I, it was and it was really cool because you get to it's like all right, this is like um, Mark Reale, you know, like behind the camera. Yeah. Well, well, well do you know what? It, it, it was a candid is the word I'd use to describe it, and you don't really get much of that. Like you know, everything's for well, especially in the modern like age that we live in, everything is for show, everything is for you know promotion, everything is kind of orchestrated or choreographed, and this just felt real. Yeah, I mean, it was unplanned. It was just like very spontaneous. There was a camera and then Mark happened to be just walking around with it. Like, all right, I guess I'll just comment and walk around with this. Mm. Yeah, it was very just like, yeah, unscripted, organic. And and you get organic. a feel. It's a great word to use. Yeah, exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you get a feel for Mark's personality there that you mm. don't otherwise, because he's not like in an interview setting. He's relaxed. Yeah. Um, uh, And like, that was really cool to sort of like, you know, hear his commentary and, and get a take a feel for his personality. Right. Mm, like, he, mm. like, and, and that's, so I really enjoyed like putting that stuff together to, you know, there's a fair amount of editing going on there to try to mm. make it all, all, all flow together, you know, uh, in, in that, in that particular yeah. part. And then uh, it was, it was very funny as well. It was like, um, is that the Mayo? And it was like, Tell him his, what did he say? Tell him his uh, gut is bigger than his head or something. I can't remember. But I was like, he joins the band. He has this cool long hair. He gets a haircut and then he puts on a shitload of weight. It's like, it's very funny. It was completely off the cuff, which is banter. Like, and you don't get yeah. that really. Yeah. You, you get a feel for the dynamic that they had as a mm. band. Right. And, and Mark's personality. And yeah. And like, like taking oh, the this- piss out of people. Like that's, that's just, yeah. Like you just, you won't get that in a, in a proper documentary because everything's like, Okay, right. We're filming. You know, talk now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- that was a really cool, like, you know, like piece of footage to get. And I and I also really like the the other studio footage, like behind the scenes studio footage, where you see just how uh, Mark is just so focused on his craft. You know, during the mm. Sons Sons of Society piece, where he's just like he's very particular about, you know, almost like in an obsessive way note for note almost yeah 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 how specific things would be and it's just Mm. like man how much you know craft he put into like the songs that he put together and 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 you could see how you know how he was captaining that ship too yeah yeah what are your overall thoughts about him as a person like he's he seems like to me like a really creative uh great songwriter but also maybe wasn't the best with dealing with people or confrontation or or management or anything like that. He definitely wasn't the best, to put it lightly. <laughs> the best. <laughs> uh, Mark, from what I've gathered, making this film, especially in his younger years, was quite like an antisocial person. He was, a, you know, preferred to be like in his room playing his music or maybe hanging out one on one. You yeah. know, not not someone who spent a lot of time hanging out like at parties or dating or mm. uh, was there was there ever any love interest there actually as well because that never came across whatsoever in the film uh, a love interest as if it's scripted but you know what I mean uh, was there was there anyone there that you I mean heard I've about heard or? on and off mentions of girlfriends but right. nothing nothing more specific than that you know yeah just married to his craft. Yeah, pretty pretty much, and and he was he was not a person who enjoyed confrontation. 
you know, he was sort of like, like, I think like sort of awkward and new encounters, mm. um, you know, not a very sociable person. Do you know, do, like, do you know what though? Like, I, I, like that was mentioned by a few people. I think Don Van Steveren kind of described him as a loner, but then I actually thought he came across quite well on TV interviews. Like, uh, I kind of thought he was kind of charming, uh, maybe kind of a bit quiet, but like quietly charming. And like, I thought he was actually, he, he carried himself quite well on those television interviews that you have footage of. Yeah, I th- I think so too. I th- I think he probably you know knew he had to do that, and he geared himself up to do mm. that. But in other situations, especially dealing with like the management, it seems to me like you know um, they were able to manipulate him to sort of get what they want. That's <laughs> the impression I get. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That um, he may have been a pushover, maybe. Uh, with business matters because he was so focused on the music and he was an artist basically that the commercial side of it which unfortunately is a fucking huge part of it like when you're in a band that kind of got got left aside and he didn't really concern himself that much with it and maybe had he concerned himself a bit more with it maybe they would have made a bit more money or you know <laughs> oh for sure for sure yeah. mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's unfortunately one of his legacies is is that aspect yeah. of of his personality and mm. you know if he had had a a right manager who who had looked out for his uh, better best interests, mm. you know, I, he would have had a much different career. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, certainly a fucking extremely talented musician and guitarist. So it is unfortunate but uh, but like a lot of these people kind of fly under the radar and you find out more i suppose as you kind of learn more about music and metal and whatever like stuff that was like unknown um it's even more so than riot and it's actually really good and you're like how did this not how did nobody notice this at the time you know but that that's what i like about this chapter 3 is you really hear mark reflecting back on the uh, some of the time period from the past with with sort of like this wisdom now and 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 he talks about breaking away from mm. finally that that management contract that they had signed and um mm. having this moment of being able to prove that you know it's the band that that's has the talent in and, and all that and yeah not, not the management yeah <laughs> All right, Jess, so that was just a little teaser of Damien's documentary. If you can get a chance, please do have a look at that. It's Immortal Soul, a riot tribute and concert film. So the final part of that this Saturday, the 27th of January. That's going to do it for this episode of Feckin' Metal. So I'm going to play out here with a clip from the most recently released Riot song, Riot V, Riot 5. And it's called High Noon. It's from their upcoming album, which is going to be released in April called Mean Streets. This is High Noon, I've been your host Fergal Trainer, and I will see you next time.